Welcome to Kishwaukee Bible Church. We're nearing the end of our series on Jesus' upside-down kingdom as we near the end of our trek through Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. The conclusion of which we'll be considering over the next two weeks, a conclusion that in large part focuses on the choice we must all make as to whether we're going to live under God and God's King, or rather live only for ourselves. For 12 weeks now, we've been listening in to Jesus explain just how different it is to live as citizens of his kingdom than to live merely as citizens of this world. But in the end, the choice is ours. Mine and yours. And the choice must be made. For Jesus, though, this choice is not simply a matter of whether or not we'll choose to follow him, but also of what leaders we follow under him. If you look at the closing verses of the Sermon on the Mount from verse 13 to verse 27, you'll notice that there's a sort of sandwich in which Jesus talks on either end about that choice we must all make, but in the middle turns to this question about leadership. Next week, we'll consider the conclusion as a whole, but for today, we're going to focus on the center of this sandwich and this matter of leadership and who we follow, what leaders we pedestal in our lives and place ourselves under as we seek ultimately to follow Jesus. The Apostle Paul wrote to the Corinthians, follow me and my example as I follow the example of Christ. He wrote similarly to the Philippians. But unlike Paul, not all who claim to lead under Jesus or lead others to Jesus actually do which is Jesus' own point as he turns to this matter of leadership in Matthew chapter 7, beginning in verse 15. And if you have a Bible, you can follow along with me as I read, again, from Matthew chapter 7, verse 15, through to verse 23. This is God's word. Jesus says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. Thus you will recognize them by their fruits." Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then will I declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we ask today for wisdom in determining who to follow as we ultimately seek to follow your Son, Jesus. We ask for discernment in who to listen to as we ultimately seek to listen to and live for Him. And Lord, I would ask for much grace for all of us as we lead others to follow Him as well. In the name of Jesus, we pray. 
Amen. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Those are the words of John C. Maxwell, whose New York Times best-selling books have sold by the millions, who speaks annually to Fortune 500 companies around the nation, and who's been named by Inc. Magazine as the number one management and leadership expert in the world. Everything rises and falls on leadership. Which isn't too hard to see, is it? Even as you look around the world today, especially during this global pandemic, it's why mayors and governors and presidents, prime ministers and the like, are holding daily press conferences and are at the forefront of all the media outlets. Why? Because as the leader goes, so goes the country, the county, the city or the state. Which for us in the U.S. Or, or even us as residents of Illinois, depending on your perspective, may give you a lot of concern or perhaps bring you a lot of comfort. But either way, just goes to show that Maxwell was onto something when he said everything rises and falls on leadership. Whether in government or business, in the nonprofit sector, and no less, Jesus would add, when it comes to those who lead us in following him. Those we pedestal in our lives and place ourselves under as we seek ultimately to follow Jesus. He's already spent a great deal of the Sermon on the Mount pointing out the problems related to the personal practices of the religious leaders of his day including their outside-only sort of righteousness and their pretentious piety performed before everyone but God. Now, though, Jesus pulls back the curtain on the public problem related to their leadership, exposing who they really are and where they're really headed. Who they are and where they're headed. Which is what we're going to consider today as we focus our attention on this matter of leadership and Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 7, verses 15 to 23. Beginning with Jesus exposing who these leaders really are. Which is Jesus' focus in verse 15 when he says this, Beware of false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. Beware of false prophets, as in those who allege to speak for God, but in reality speak only for themselves. Beware. Why? Because not only are they hypocrites when it comes to their own piety, their own religiosity, Play actors performing on the stage. That's what a hypocrite was, an actor. Not only are they play acting when it comes to their personal piety, dressed up like something they are not, but these false prophets are dressed up in order that they might devour those around them. They are wolves in sheep's clothing, ravenous and rapacious costumed for the precise purpose, not just for feigning their piety, but so they can feast on the sheep they dress up like. Which is 
Worse than a big bad wolf who goes around blowing down the houses of innocent little pigs. That's bad enough. But at least a wolf like that is owning who he is and knocking on the door. Little pig, little pig, let me come in. So that they have a chance by their chinny chin chins. Even if he intends to, to blow the house in. A chance though because knowing who he is and what he is, those little pigs might just catch him in the chimney chim chim. Here though, Jesus speaks of cunning and conniving wolves, devious and deceptive, more like the wolf of Little Red Riding Hood, who first dresses up like the girl to eat the grandmother, and then dresses up like the grandmother to eat the girl, whose big mouth, as much as it spouts off prophecies in Jesus' name, is really just all the better to eat you with, my dear. And it's bad enough to be a hypocrite when it comes to one's relationship with God, but how much worse when that hypocrisy is employed to devour others who are just sheep trying to follow Jesus. Jesus says, beware. But how will we know who they are? Jesus identifies who they really are. How will we know who they are? Well, in verse 16, Jesus tells us, he says, you will recognize them by their fruits, by what they say and do and how they do it. You will recognize them by their fruits. Which, if you can just get past the mixing of metaphors for the moment, is Jesus' way of saying that wisdom and discernment will out these charlatans for who they are. Why? Because Jesus says grapes can't be gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles. Verse 17, so every healthy tree, good tree, every fruit-bearing tree, he says, bears good fruit, but the diseased tree, better the worthless tree, bears bad fruit. A healthy, good tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can a disease that is a worthless tree bear good fruit. Why? Because bad trees always bear bad fruit. No matter how good it looks on the outside, bad trees always bear bad fruit. Thistles always bear thistles and thorn bushes thorns. And let me just clarify, bad as in fruit that's no good, not good, and not good for you. Not even edible unless you're a thistle-eating Eeyore. Not as in good fruit that's gone bad, a spoiled apple on an apple tree. But fruit, if you can even call it that, that by nature is bad, that is not fruit at all. And every tree like that, Jesus says, that does not bear good fruit, be assured, he says, is cut down and will be cut down and thrown into the fire like the brush on the back 40 that just needs to be cut down and cleared out for the good stuff to remain. 
So Jesus says what? You will recognize them by their fruits. So for now, beware. And it's worth knowing that this is not the, the first time such things have been said. Jesus is just picking up here on the voice of the prophets of old, the real prophets, the true prophets, unlike these false ones. Those who, like Ezekiel, indicted the leaders of God's people some 600 years before this, who spoke of them as wolves fattening themselves on the sheep they would have and should have been feeding. When false prophets would say things like, Thus says the Lord, when in fact the Lord had not spoken. God said at that time through that prophet Ezekiel, he said, I sought for a man among them who should stand in the breach before me for the land, that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Jesus joins the likes of the prophets and the likes of John the Baptist, who, who just a few chapters before this called the religious leaders to bear fruit in keeping with repentance. Why? Because even now, the Baptist said, the axe is already laid to the root of the trees. Every tree, therefore, he said, that does not bear good fruit, he says what? Same as Jesus will be cut down. It is cut down and thrown in to the fire. Why? Because of who they are. Bad trees that only bear bad fruit. Fruit that's good for nothing except to be burned. They are wolves in sheep's clothing, out to feast on the ones they were meant to feed, doing their rotten deeds at the expense of the ones they were supposed to be leading, rather than for the good of those they should have been leading. Jesus says quite soberly, leaders like that will be thrown into the fire. Which is second, Jesus' way of exposing where they're really headed. Into the fire. Whether or not there's a special place for them there, a reserved spot for them, their end is the fire. Which is quite vivid, isn't it? We don't like to talk about that in our day and age, but, but that's what Jesus says. We do a lot of, of fires here at, at our home, a lot of s'mores and hobo dinners, and the kids get all excited, and they go out, and they find their sticks, and, and, and they come, and, and we roast marshmallows, and, and we throw our, 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 our foil packets in there. But the thought of being a s'more, or following a s'more into the flames, that's not exactly the kind of fires we go for. It's quite vivid. And we'll consider the full weight of this imagery next week. But let me point out that there's something at stake here for these false leaders that's greater than where they're headed to. It's where they're headed away from. Which, just as an aside, is as, if not more, important. Right? Because heaven and hell aren't primarily about what you get or don't get. They're about the God you get or don't get to be with. 
And Jesus draws this out by describing this dialogue that is going to take place in the future. Listen to what he says. Verse 21. Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Which is quite different from what Jesus suggests later on in this gospel will be said to those servants who do his Father's will. When they're told, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your master. But here, Jesus pictures himself as the judge of all humanity. The separator of the sheep from the goats. Or more here, from the sheep, from the the wolves in sheep's clothing. He pictures himself as the one who, who must vouch for those who will be admitted into the kingdom. As the one guarding the gates. Who will not only banish those like these to the fires of eternal damnation. But away from the joy of his heavenly kingdom. Notice, though, that these false prophets are individuals who who claim to have acted under Jesus. That's what it means for them to call him Lord, Lord. The, The double affirmation that they acted under the authority of Jesus. Claiming to have been his representatives after him. Who in some sense even worked the works of the kingdom. Prophesying in his name. Casting out demons in his name. And doing mighty works in his name. And yet Jesus can say what? I never knew you. Why? Because he he had forgotten them? No. Because he doesn't recognize them as his own. Because focused on the overflow of the kingdom, they never cared enough to reflect its fullness in their lives. And therefore, are barred from entering that kingdom in the end. Because though they do the works, or claim to do the works, like so many do today, they are not those identified in verse 21 as those who do the the will of the Father. They do the works, but not His will, and therefore are not invited to enjoy forever the one they supposedly served. What, though, is the will of the Father? What is the will of the Father if not to work the works of the kingdom? What else could it be? Is it not to, like Jesus has been saying throughout this whole Sermon on the Mount, is it not to live by faith under the law and the prophets? To unlike these false prophets and workers of lawlessness, you see the connection? 
to rather live under the law and the prophets of old. And Jesus' definitive interpretation of them given in this Sermon on the Mount by reflecting in what we do for God and what we do for others, what God has so graciously already done for us in what we think and say and do and how we do it. To bear good fruit rather than the thorns or thistles produced by those who care only for the theatrics. And here's the point. Because the will of God has more to do with character than with charisma. More to do with character than with one's wielding of some charismatic gift. After all, just look at Jesus, who time and again refrained from healing those around him, though he not only had the gifts, but was the giver, yet refrained from healing those around him, since healing in the here and now was only a taste of what was to come and what he had come for. Yet not for one iota of a second did he ever let his character slip so that by fulfilling the will of his Father, fulfilling the law and the prophets like no one else ever could, like none of us ever could, he might then accomplish the work of his Father on our behalf. The work that all of those other mighty works pointed to, his dying for us on the cross, rising again that we might live with him and with his Father forevermore. It's no wonder then that at the heart of the conclusion to the greatest sermon he ever preached, Jesus warns his followers of those who would exchange that great work for some poor counterfeit. Exposing these false prophets for who they really were and where they were really headed. And let me just leave you with two thoughts First, with regard to your role as a follower, and second, with regard to your role as a leader. First, with regard to your role as a, a follower, because we are all following someone, even those of us in leadership. We are all under authority. It's how Jesus set this up in the wake of his resurrection and return to the Father. So as a follower, let me encourage you, just as Jesus does, to beware. To be careful who you choose to follow. Because everything rises and falls on leadership, and you will too. So be careful who you choose to follow. Who you allow to speak into your life. What leaders you pedestal over you and place yourself under, especially when it comes to those who supposedly speak for God. Because you don't want to be swept up in some false prophet schemes who is himself headed for the fire. You don't want to be taken in by some suave soothsayer who, who says she speaks for God only to join her, join him for an eternity apart from the Savior they supposedly serve. Be careful. And keep not only your ears open, but your eyes as well. 
Yes, listening to what they say, checking that against the scriptures, but also looking at what they do and how they do it and how they live. Whether they reflect in their lives the life of the Savior, who valued character more than charisma and called his followers to do the same. Who did not take from others, but gave himself up. Is that what they look like? Or like so many others, are they behind the scenes simply building for themselves bigger barns, bigger houses, bigger ministry centers, buying better cars? Watch how they live as much as you listen to how they speak. Which as an aside means you should be really careful when it comes to those you can't get to know beyond their podcast or their YouTube channel. It's why you should look into someone before you start listening to them, even if what they say tickles your ears. And why being a part of a local church is so important. So that you can not only sit under someone's teaching, but also observe their way of life. Learn from their way of life, but observe it too as to whether it affirms their words or suggests that you ought to be finding a different home. Either way, though, beware, lest you fall prey to a wolf in sheep's clothing or follow some s'more into the fire. Second, though, let me encourage you with regard to your role as a leader. Because we are likewise all leaders, whether we realize it or not. And a passage like this ought to be a warning, not just about who we're looking up to, but about who's looking up to us. So how are you leading? If it's anything like the, the rest of this upside down world, it'll, it'll be about fattening yourself as you feast on others. But if it's under Jesus, it'll be more about character than charisma and proclaiming the good news of the kingdom than about building a kingdom for yourself. It'll be about giving up yourself on behalf of others, just like our great leader did for you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I ask that it would be so, both in the following and in the leading, that we would reflect in both the grace of your son Jesus, following ultimately him, and leading others to do the same. I pray by your grace, you would let it be so. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining us. For more information about our church, please visit our church's website at kishbible.org. That's K-I-S-H-Bible.org.